Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host today, BJ Cunningham. In just a second, I will be joined by my friend and co-host, Anthony DeBundo. But as a reminder, Wonder Goal is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game, get 200 in bonus bests. Must be 21 years or older. Offers available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the United States. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we're here. This is your Champions League and Europa League first leg of the semifinals betting preview. We're going to kick things off with a rematch of last year's semifinal. Real Madrid hosting Manchester City. Let's run through the futures odds really quick before we get started here. Manchester City is a minus 150 outright favorite to lift the trophy. Real Madrid is plus 333. Inter plus 650 and AC Milan at plus 850. This match, uh, Real Madrid is plus 210 home underdog. Man City sitting at plus 120 with the draw sitting at plus 260. Man City is a minus 350 favorite to qualify while Real Madrid is sitting at plus 250 at bet365. This is a very interesting match, Anthony. Uh, and the way I see it, I'll let you get your thoughts in here first, but I think Real Madrid kind of needs to Real Madrid this thing if they want to get through both these legs because City is looking pretty much unstoppable right now. So that means Real Madrid's got to be incredibly deadly in transitional opportunities. And their low block has to be effective uh, when they're playing out of possession. But how do you see this first of two semifinals going? Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking about this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of we kind of had a feeling it was coming pretty early once the the way the quarterfinals played out the first leg, and I thought a lot about like you know, okay, where's the market going to open? What's it going to look like relative to last year, and what's changed? Now, City closed right around plus one fifteen last year in the second leg at the Bernabeu holding a one goal aggregate lead. And in that match, uh, city was the better side. They had a lot more of the possession and then they completely collapsed in the second half. Uh, the, you know, really the last 15 minutes of the match, they, they kind of fell apart, but I think we need to realize that like, how does this number make any sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, we had to throw out all priors because I think I'm a little, you know, we, we have a bias against Real Madrid for sure because <laughs> they've gotten so lucky for so long that I think yeah. we maybe missed that they might be better this year and they may have been a more solid team around the rest of kind of the the squad. And I'm not really sure who's going to have more of the possession in this one because City had 55% of the ball in the last meeting last year. 
But City have also been a little more willing to play off the possession this year. Uh, you saw that against Arsenal for parts of the match a couple weeks ago. You saw that against Bayern Munich. You saw that especially against Arsenal in the first meeting between the two of them. So Real Madrid is by no means like a possession-dominant team, but they're certainly willing to have the ball. And so I, I think part of me thinks that Real will have more of the ball than maybe we think here. Uh, and I'll be looking to see if we get a prop. You know, I love betting the possession props. Um, I will be looking to bet a Real Madrid over maybe say 46.5% if we get that number, because I, I really think that uh, the market's a little lower on Real Madrid than I thought it was going to be coming in here. And I'm obviously, I think it's more so that they're higher on City because when I pull up La Liga numbers, I very rarely show value on Madrid. Um, they haven't really been competitive in the league, but if you just look by like raw expected goal differential, they have basically better numbers than last year, despite not getting the same level of production from Benzema that they got last year. I mean, Benzema has been worse. He's taken a step back as we kind of expected, but they've supplemented it with an even better Venetia season and and more production from Rodrigo. You know, he scores two uh, in the cup final on Saturday. And I think Real's, like they have defensive issues still. That's the thing that's kind of scary here. Like without Militao who's suspended, can they defend Holland well enough? If, if Holland and De Bruyne do the similar type tactics they did against, uh, against Arsenal. Uh, so I, I've gone really back and forth on this a lot. Curious to get your thoughts generally speaking. And then uh, I'll, I'll kind of give a point on where I end up in this match. Yeah, where I'm at right now is going into this. Uh, I was going to pass completely because I have City at, at plus 139. Um, and now they've taken money. And now I'm getting to the point where maybe I would look at Real Madrid. But here's the here's the thing that kind of worries me about Real Madrid. So, you know, last season, especially in that first leg, it was the Vinicius Jr. match where, you know, he cooked Fernandinho on the right. Well, if you remember that Kyle Walker was injured going to that. And then John stones got injured in what was around like the 20th minute. And then Fernandinho had to play out of position at right back. And then of course that's the clip that everybody shows. But if we go back, I mean, real or Manchester city scored two goals inside the first 15 minutes of that first leg. And there was this moment of panic for real Madrid. And then they were much, much better in, in those transitional opportunities and, you know, Benzema and Benicia Jr. finished at ungodly rates. Now going into this one, the way City likes to set up, what we've been seeing them do set up recently, where Pep is playing four center backs along with Rodri. So essentially five center backs who can all control the ball, can all be there and build up play. Does he decide to play Kyle Walker to defend against Vinicius Jr.? Does he double him like he did with Martinelli and Saka in a couple meetings with Arsenal, where it's just like Vinicius Jr. is not going to beat us. It's going to have to be Benzema, which is obviously a very dangerous game to play. But it's interesting. I agree with you. I'm, I'm not sure who holds more possession. If Manchester City does and they strangle hold possession, I think that's a, that's a bad news for Real Madrid. Uh, if you look at the two teams that they faced who can really hold possession against them this season and be dominant. It's Liverpool, who in that first leg went up 2-0. Real Madrid's low block was not good. It could have been three. Um, and then Liber and then Real Madrid just scored five goals off of eight shots and 1.6 XG, which is essentially what I believe they have to do here. And then they've played Barcelona five times. 
And on all but one match, Barcelona has created at least two expected goals and controlled more possessions. So that's worrisome if you're Real Madrid. So do you do you come out, try to get more possession? Do you try to press high? Because Real Madrid's not a high-pressing team. Like they're, they're a team that's pretty passive when they're out of possession. So if they're not going to press City and they're just going to let them waltz into their final third and then just try to be good in transition, it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a very, very interesting tactical battle so for me right now i am probably going to be sitting out this first leg might look to get in on it live if there's a certain scenario that pops up um but yeah it's it's hard for me if real madrid doesn't control a lot of possession to see how they get through this leg unless they do what they did against liverpool and it's very very efficient with their transitional opportunities so now with that being said like we've already mentioned there's the market aspect of this if city gets down to plus 105 or even money, I have to fire on Real Madrid. That's just too low. There's no way I can ignore that. So that's how I'll be playing it. Other than that, I'm kind of with you. It's just waiting to see on Real Madrid. But other than that, I might have to pass this first leg. Yeah, I think City's maybe marginally better than last year just because of Holland's finishing ability mm-hmm. at the center. But I don't think they're necessarily all that much better. And so I can't get to this number with Real Madrid I power rated higher than they were last year. Uh, exactly. Whether it's, you know, the Camavinga and a left back role, which has shored up their defense a little bit, his athleticism, he doesn't really get forward. He tucks into the midfield a lot, uh, which I think is the most important angle here because if it is Rudiger and Alaba, which I'm expecting from Real Madrid's back line, you, you should see a lot of Camavinga there as like the extra defensive midfielder. What does that mean for somebody like a Phil Foden or Riyad Mahrez, who I'm expecting to start out wide? Where do they fit into this system? Uh, you know, do they try to run through them because they're both of them are very good at ball progression? Uh, does Holland run into that channel more? Do we see him go more wide because uh, you know Camavinga is going to congest so much of the space at the middle and maybe take away that De Bruyne versus you know uh, Holland playing off of each other? So there's a lot of question marks. City is pretty well rested. They didn't play anybody uh, over the weekend. They they kind of rotated through uh, most of the starters. So I'm not expecting really a fatigue thing. But but Guardiola also did mention some concern about you know like player fatigue and said that you know a lot of players came to him asking for a rest and that they were tired and and like we saw this with Liverpool last year. It's a real thing. I don't care how good you are, how deep you are, playing across three fronts through May when it's been such a grueling year with the World Cup. It adds up, and it wouldn't shock me to see some signs of slippage from them going forward. But, yeah, I can't get to the number either. I mean, my projection has City at plus 129. So for them to be plus 120, uh, like City opened pick minus 130, like plus 145 money line, and I was like, yeah, it's about what I expected it to open. No real value in it for me. And then they took a ton of money. It got as low as – I saw plus 105, plus 110 very briefly at a couple books, and, like, that's just – a lot of disrespect for Real Madrid, and I know they've been so lucky. And I know the minute I decide to bet on them in the Champions League is when they turn <laughs> back into a pumpkin and all the regression and the luck runs out and they go bad. But are they really a half goal worse at home? No. No, they're not. And they're and not. like Leipzig, I mean, we just had this conversation. Leipzig was plus a half in the first leg at home against City, minus 110. It's like, you know, 50%, 52.8% implied, 0.38%. And now it's like minus 135.40 for Real Madrid at some places. And uh, Real Madrid's clearly better than Leipzig. Uh, so this market respect for City has gotten really crazy. 
uh, to the point yeah. where I am also not going to be betting this one. But I will be looking for some possession props. Again, if City, if Real Madrid gets like minus 120 plus a half, I will be betting them for sure. But yeah, it sucks to say because this is a yeah you know betting pot, and we have two matches, big <laughs> matches to talk this week. I don't really have anything here. That's I, I mean, I I'll maybe okay. bet it tomorrow. I would bet yeah. on Real Madrid. Yeah, so make sure you just follow us in the Action, Action Network app um, to see who we potentially play for this one. But hey, if you want a goal scorer one, I'll give you Jack Grealish at six to one to, uh, to score. Uh, it was interesting the game, the match against West Ham uh, in the middle of the week because since West Ham was out without Soychek and without Declan Rice. They played a 5-4-1, and they essentially funneled everything to Jack Grealish's side, which, you know, in some cases, like for a team like Real Madrid, who's probably going to play a 4-4-2 out of possession, that means the ball is going to be funneled out wide quite a bit in this type of situation. And if they're going to key in on Holland, and what you've seen so many times from Grealish is because Ake is playing as a left center back type role, he's able to tuck inside and, you know, allow defenders to commit to him, which creates more space on the wing for Grealish to get the ball and move it in going forward. So he could have a couple, a couple good opportunities coming in from the wing there uh, to get some shots off. So at six to one, I mean, there you go. One bet so far, maybe we can get a Venetius junior shot on target, bet. I'm not sure what the thoughts <laughs> on that, but yeah, I'm not seeing any uh, shot total markets yet. Well, Real Madrid's actual shot total right now is under 11 and a half. And that's sitting at minus one Oh five and cities over over under is 13 and a half with the over sitting at minus 125. So that's interesting. Yeah, I would I would look toward the under there on Real Madrid total shots because I do think that whether they're defending without the ball and in a lower block and waiting for transition or whether they have possession, City is still not going to concede much in terms of space and shots. Uh, and so I would look to play the under on that. Yeah, I, I would think Real will get a few good chances, but won't necessarily be uh, consistently putting pressure on the city goal because nobody does that to city. Yeah, yeah, I, w- I would definitely come in under that number. Yeah, and Maybe that's a fun way to attack and, this. From exactly, because even the the five two game against Liverpool, <laughs> Real Madrid had nine shots in that game. <laughs> like it wasn't like they just got off a ton of shots. So yeah, I agree, and that's kind of typically what's happened to them against Barcelona as well. They haven't had a giant number of shots against those type of teams. So I agree, but that's enough Real Madrid, Manchester city. Cause there is another semifinal tie. And one of these two teams is going to face Manchester city or Real Madrid. And it's a fun one. It's a Milan Derby at the San Siro. AC Milan will be the home team for the first leg. Uh, they are sitting at plus two ten. Eight inter Milan is plus one fifty with the draw at plus 210 as well. Inter is at bet 365 is a minus 188 uh favorite to advance while AC Milan is at plus 137. The big news going into this one is the status of Rafael Leao. He picked up an injury over the weekend against Lazio. We are unsure at the time of taping if he is going to play or not, which is very very big for AC Milan. Uh, I have already bet Inter. Uh, if you follow me in the Action Recap, when the odds came out, Inter was a, a pretty significant underdog, which I thought was a little crazy considering that these two teams play at the exact same stadium. Um, so I have already have bet Inter pick uh, at plus 105. Um, but I still do see a little bit of value in Inter, but I'll let you get your thoughts in here first. What do you think about the second semifinal tie? 
Yeah, where is Inter supposed to be worse than Milan? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, like Inter's old, uh, and and Milan has a much younger team, and they're more dynamic, I think, athletically. But like on no earth is Milan a better team, and they haven't been in all this year. And without Liao, who is dynamite in transition, just like an electric player, it feels like uh, the window for Milan winning this match goes away outside of, of course, just like single game variant. If he's not able to go, I mean, Liao this season, we talked about him. I mean, he had that really rough patch of form coming off the world cup and it coincided with when, when Milan was really bad, he's putting up 0.64 XG plus XA per 90, which is a very good forward production. 0.79 goals and assists per 90. So almost every other game going and assist. 19 goal contributions in 24 games. He's played a lot of minutes. Uh, and from a ball progression standpoint, that's really where he's made his biggest yep. impact. Uh, and I think that's it's really going to be a problem. I mean, he's completed 52 passes into the penalty area in Serie A this year. Next best is Brahim Diaz at uh, 36. So not only is he an elite passer, an elite dribbler. Uh, most carries into the penalty area, 60. Next best on AC Milan is 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, carries in the final third, he has the most. Total progressive carries, he has the most. Uh, so you look at the difference between you know somebody like a, a Diaz and a Liao, which is essentially the two guys that they rely have relied on most of the season for, for ball progression. Diaz is, just loses the ball a ton more. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think there's a real solution for that. I mean, Liao has almost as many attacking penalty area touches as Giroud mm-hmm. in about the same number of minutes. So, you know, without him, I don't really see this team being any good. And when he hasn't been on the pitch, they haven't been good. So all of these things make me worried about Milan. I already didn't like them. The market doesn't think he's playing for certain the way yep. that the line moved. So, it sucks because I was excited for this tie. I still am, but this feels like Inter's the much better team. Inter still has the the second best underlying numbers of all of the teams in in Italy. They've had a really weird run of finishing for a lot of the season because Lautaro and uh and Lukaku have been so inconsistent. But you know, they've shown their abilities this year. And and like you said with the no travel you know, I gave the tiniest of home field advantages just for the fans because I do, you know, it, it'll be a, a pro uh, AC Milan fan crowd for the first game and more inter-heavy for the second. But it's going to be a lot of pretty even, for, I think, in the end. You know, the way they sell the tickets, sure, but you know that there's plenty of inter-fans that will sneak in for the first leg and vice versa for the second. So, yeah, I can't get to it being uh, anything close to a coin flip. So I'm going to take inter to advance, minus 134. Uh, If you've followed me or followed us since the start of the knockouts and, you know, we have that 34 to one that we're sitting on with Inter. So I'm riding that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think uh, this is a pretty good matchup for Inter, especially if Liao can't go. Uh, They played three times this year, three wins or two wins for Inter, one win for Milan. Uh, XG was in favor of Inter in all three. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing. Uh, now, here's the argument that I think some people make is say, well, if AC Milan was able to do basically be the better team over two legs against Napoli, what makes you think they can't do the same to enter? 
Well, Inter is is a much different team than Napoli, and Inter can play really two different types of styles. With their three five two, they're now they're very very good at attacking in wide areas, and they complete the most crosses of anybody in Serie A into the penalty area. And what they also do a great job of is they can be a great build up possession style team when they're facing smaller sides, and then when they face bigger teams. They can be really deadly in transition and, and really cause problems. Like I already mentioned, those wide areas. If you look at the two over the two legs against Benefica, they didn't hold. They allowed Benefica to control over fifty-five percent possession in both of those meetings. Still scored four goals. It was off a two point six expected, but that's the problem that AC Milan is going to run into here, running here too. Because in all three of those meetings, they were not able to disrupt build-up play like they did against Napoli in both ties. If you look at the first one, all I mean, on all three of those meetings, their passes per defensive action was above ten. And even the the second, their, their last meeting, which you know, take it with a grain of salt, Theo Hernandez did not play. It was during AC Milan's bad run of form, but Inter tilted the field at fifty at seventy seven percent, and AC Milan only had one penalty box shot and didn't act actually didn't have a shot until the fifty eighth minute. So. Without Leal, we could be seeing similar type numbers to that uh, there. And, I mean, the other case for AC Milan here is that when they face Napoli, Oshman missed the first leg, and then Angisa and Kim Min-Jae missed the second leg. So they are very fortunate with injuries that way. Now they're going to be without Leal, who, like you already mentioned, is everything to their attack. <laughs> Some of the other crazy numbers, he's averaging per 90 minutes – 13.75 progressive passes or progressive carries and progressive passes received. So he is everything to their attack. And now they have to rely on a trio of Giroud, Benacer, and Diaz. Like that's not good. So for me, you know, I essentially took projection wise, it took 20 cents off of my projection for AC Milan to account for the loss of Leao. And now I'm at Inter plus 102 for this first leg. So there's an inter plus 150 out there. If you already haven't bet them, I would say that there is definitely value on that. Um, there's just, like you mentioned, there's way too many tactical advantages, personnel advantages for inter here. They've already been the better team three times against AC Milan. So I think it's inter or nothing here in the first leg. All right, that'll do it for the Champions League semifinals. Let's move on to the Europa League semifinals, two teams we are very fond of here in the first of two semifinals. Juventus is a minus 134 home favorite. Sevilla sitting at 4-1, to one, the draw sitting at plus 260. Juventus is minus 175 to advance. Sevilla at plus 125. Um, I kind of like the over here. I think it's uh, it's a little too low um, considering these two teams, but um, I'll let you get your thoughts in here first. Who, what do you think in between these two teams? We are so so fond of. Yeah, uh, from a from an edge point of view, total uh, from a side perspective, I have nothing on this. Uh, I think Agreed. the numbers about right. Uh, Juventus a better team, marginally better, uh, and laying about three quarters of a goal is about where I projected to be. But both these teams are still super flawed defensively. And that's really what it comes down to, for me at least, is that you know Juventus has been getting healthier in their attack, uh, and they've been putting up not great, but 
you know, you can squint a little bit and see uh, somewhat better production as an attack if you, if you kind of look through some of the games where they've had a fully fit team, uh, you know, put up almost three XG against Bologna, almost two against Lecce, were competent in the match against uh, you in the match against Inter, the first leg that is uh, of the of the semifinals. So you know, they do beat Atalanta today, although there was some pretty good bounces that went their way in that one. I just really don't trust either of these defenses enough, though. And we were just talking off air about how concerning Juventus is, and you can get more into that, but Sevilla is still one of the five worst defenses in Spain. So and flawed. as, as, as <laughs> good so as they've bad. been at home at times this year, like they have not traveled well either. We we saw how good they, you know, how well they played defensively against United, for example, even against PSV in the round prior. But when they've gone on the road, you know, even at PSV at United, they really were up under a lot of pressure, could not uh, play through it, conceded a ton of chances. And then, you know, in uh, Spain, they're conceding over uh, one and a half per 90. So mm-hmm. I think both teams are scoring over is the look here. It's gross because of how these teams tend to play and, you know, they like to first leg and you get the tax and everything. But this is a hold your nose over for me. I agree. Uh, you can find over two and a half at plus one thirty out there, and I mean, so Juventus's defensive numbers in Syria are very, very concerning. I understand they've only conceded twenty eight goals. That's off of around thirty seven expected, so they've vastly overperformed, and they are an incredibly passive defense under Allegri. They are seventeenth in passes per defensive action. They're second to last in final third entries allowed. Like I don't care how passive you are, that is awful for a team of Juventus's stature. Uh, you know, 15th in crosses allowed in their penalty area, which is obviously huge against Sevilla because that's how Sevilla creates a lot of their chances. I don't care if Lopetegui's at Wolves right now. This is still the same Lopetegui-style team. And Sevilla is top five at playing through pressure in La Liga. They're still top five in final third entries. They're seventh in progressive passes and dribbles. And it's a team, it's a very slow buildup team that needs to have possession to be successful, obviously, get the ball in wide areas and cross it in. 82 buildup attacks compared to just 33 direct attacks. If they're able to just go into Juventus' final third without much resistance, given the way they've been attacking lately and the improvements that we've seen there, four point and expected goals in their last two La Liga matches, they definitely can put the ball into the back of the net against a team that's very, very average at defending their penalty area. I mean, Juventus is still only seventh in non-penalty expected goals allowed in 10th and shots per 90. So this is not like an, an elite Juventus defense like we've seen in years past. And Juventus, I mean, they offensively, you mentioned it, like they they have gotten better since the World Cup. They've averaged, or they've created over one expected goal in every single match except for four, except for a match against Roma, a match against Inter, the first leg against Sporting, and then a match against Napoli. Those are all very, very good defensive teams. Sevilla is not that. So this is also one of those game state dependent type matches, I believe, because both with both these teams, very, very slow buildup style, a goal needs to go in for us to kick things into hyper gear. So like you mentioned, we're seeing the tax because it's the first leg, because it's two slow buildup teams, but everything we're looking at with underlying numbers this game is is screaming over, especially at a price of plus one thirty, and I do have around two point seven goals projected for it. So, I'll be on over two and a half at plus one thirty. All right, let's move on to the second. This is a fun one. Roma 
hosting Leverkusen. Jose Mourinho's Roma is plus 110. Leverkusen, a plus 275 road underdog with the draw at plus 230. This is minus 110 both ways for each team to advance. This is a very, very even encounter. Um, I have future tickets on both these teams. Uh, Here's the problem is I I do have Roma at minus 125 here, but Roma's form's been bad lately. Like that was a bad performance against Inter over the weekend. Very, very concerning. And then you look at the other side. Well, Leverkusen had a lackluster showing against Union. Then they just lost at home to Cologne on Friday. So the form with both these teams is very concerning as much as what's keeping me off of it. But what do you think for Xabi Alonso versus Jose Mourinho? Yeah, uh, this is one where I think these two teams are very similar. Uh, and thus, I don't really want to uh, kind of bet it where I have to lay a favorite. Uh, right. And that's the case in the first leg with Roma. And it'll be the second case next week when we have this exact same conversation when it comes to betting Leverkusen. Uh, th- there's different reasons for that. Leverkusen, uh, for me, is is a much better team when they get to profile as an underdog and they get to play in transition as much as possible. But do you ever get to play in transition against Roma? No. Like, they're one of the best teams in the world at defending their penalty area, and they don't really commit numbers forward, especially in the first leg of a two-leg tie. It's just not – Josie's not going to do it even if it means sacrificing win probability when he's at home in the first leg and probably needs a win. And so for that reason, I don't really trust Roma. So I'm a little concerned about, you know, what we're going to see from Roma from attacking perspective too, because look, would Jose be unhappy with the tie here? If it went back one, one or nil, nil and went to Leverkusen and he got to play the underdog role, uh, try to grind it out. You know, you can pull some data on Roma and kind of, and I don't like to do this normally because it, it starts to get a little bit too into the weeds and like cutting out certain results. And now you're getting into like a very kind of different sphere, but Roma has put up two XG per match in all Serie A matches against Milan, uh, not against the other teams that they're competing with for the spots. So against not Milan, Napoli, Juve, Inter and Lazio, that's uh, two XG per match, right? Like I said, if you take out those games uh, and you just look at those games specifically, they're at like one point one three. Now, some of that comes down to talent. Like you're playing better teams, so you're not going to create as many chances. But it feels to me like Roma, and the reason we love them in the tournament setting is because they're so good at this. When they play the teams that are comparable to them in talent level, they don't even really take any chances. They can't create anything. They commit no numbers forward. They hope for one or two openings. We saw what Roma can be when they played Feyenoord in the second leg from playing from behind, created almost mm-hmm. three and a half XG and, and one going away. But in a first leg favorite, no thank you. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, so this is a pass for me. Hopefully they get the early goal and then we can sit on it uh, because I do not think Leverkusen matches up well playing from behind in this tie at all. So if we can just get a lead, I feel very confident in Roma. You know what's crazy though? We, is that... we ride twenty three to one. I'm feeling good. Yep. I think it's we ride that. We a do four way coin flip. I exactly. really do. I, like Sevilla's the worst team, mm-hmm. clearly, but in a one off, uh, I don't think Roma is inherently worse or necessarily better than any of the teams that are still left. So we got to where we wanted. We just need the the coins to flip our way and some chances. And Tammy, you know, found the goal a couple weeks ago. So hopefully he's. 
uh, in the lineup. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing with Mourinho. It's like some days he just decides he's not going to play Belotti, <laughs> Abraham, or Dabala. And you're just like, oh, great. It starts like, like Pellegrini up top. Now. <laughs> um, like they were flat against Inter yesterday, yeah. but I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Like they, they clearly are focused on the Europa League here. So, right. And, you know, to your point about Roma playing up to better competition against every single team that's essentially above them right now, no team has created over one expected goal against them in Serie A. Like that's how good they are defensively. Yeah, it's amazing. But you can see some goals. They've been unlucky, and, and like Patricio's yep. kind of mid. But yep, they're the best. They're the best box defending team in European exactly. soccer leagues. They're better than City. They are. They are better than City. Like it's. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned. I mean, they don't have that. as much of the ball, and so they, you know, whatever. Right. But but uh, like they have. They have taken over Mallorca as the best final third box entry conversion rate allowed team in. Europe's top five leagues. I mean, they're under 20%. Like that's an insane number to think about. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's tough because now Shabby Alonso and Leverkusen, I've mentioned them before when they played Udian, is what he's done is he's changed them into kind of a Jose Mourinho US type team in Germany as well. Like no longer is Leverkusen this high pressing, you know, full throttle tilt type team. They're a very passive team now as well that likes to play a low block and, like you mentioned, loves to play in transition. So this is again, going to be a very game state dependent type tie of how you bet it. So, you know, if this thing is a draw, if it's one, one or zero, zero, well, Leverkusen is probably going to be plus plus one ten at home in the second leg. And we're going to come back here and we're probably gonna have the exact same conversation, but it will be interesting with either team is ahead and which team's got to come from behind. So it'll be interesting, but it's a pass for both of us on that. So, I mean, I would personally bet Roma. To advance if you don't have a I, yeah I, I, I trust them I would more. Too. they're better defensively uh in a tie that i don't think will have a ton in it i trust them better uh i think uh, both goalkeepers can be questionable at times um Rodesky, uh, playing out from the back is always a nightmare patricio just doesn't do that so that takes part of the issue out uh but yeah i would give the slightest of leans to roma if you're looking to bet a two advance ticket but like don't bet them plus 110 bet them to advance it's a much better bet uh I think there's way more scenarios where Roma doesn't win and advances than there are where they win and then don't win this match and then don't advance next week in, in uh, at Leverkusen. Exactly. Yeah. I have, I mean, I have Roma at minus 147 to advance out of this tie against Leverkusen. You love Roma now, too much, though. It's a little too much. And I got to go in and account for a little bit of only Leverkusen under Xavi Alonso. So that number will probably come down to around my, I guess, only accounting for what Xavi Alonso uh, has because you I mean, I mean, Leverkusen has been allowing under one expected goal per 90 uh, with him in charge. So again, very, very interesting tie here. So, but yeah, I agree with you. If you're going to bet something, bet Roma to advance. All right. That'll do it for this episode of wonder goal. Thank you all for listening. We will be back on Thursday morning for your weekend preview of the premier league and across Europe until then. For Anthony DeBundo, I'm BJ Cunningham. Thank you again to our sponsor, Bet365. And good luck with your Champions League and Europa League bets this week. We'll see you on Thursday morning. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.